Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents Pastor Carla Porter, who tells us how it takes vision. All the way here from Nairobi, Kenya. Well, good morning, everyone. God bless you, brave people, for coming out. I believe the Lord has purpose in today's ministry. And God bless everyone who is refusing to be intimidated by the enemy. You know, we just refuse a spirit of fear. Yes, we're under, uh, as Pastor Murray keeps pointing out from Romans 13, 1, we are obedient to civil authority. We understand there are natural precautions to take. Uh, as well as, but spiritual faith is the thing that counts. And I do not believe that the Lord wants us hiding in our houses, full of fear and dread of what's coming upon the earth. Those things are prophesied in Matthew 24, but they're not to reflect our lives. That may reflect the world but they're not to reflect our lives. Fear and dread and all kinds of imaginations about the things that are coming. So I'm so happy to be with people of faith this morning. And Pastor Scott and Trish, what an honor to be back with you. And God bless you guys for the wonderful things that you're doing for the kingdom of God. I I have a lot to say I do want to share, just to set our minds right, that this is a partnering church. And I believe when a church partners with those on the mission field, it's important to have a yearly update of what your giving is helping to accomplish. And so I really honor this church. I'm grateful for your partnership. And I want you to see the fruit that is being born and the lives that are being impacted. You know, I can only say yes to increase as the Lord increases me. And one of the ways he brings increase into the ministry that I'm called to do in Kenya is through partnerships. And please take it to heart that when you take the gospel to those who have not heard, and when you go into nations that are desperately poor, Proverbs 19.17 says, the Lord will repay you. The Lord told me uh, about three years ago now, he whispered to me as I studied Proverbs 19.17, that when you give to the poor, some translations say, uh, you, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. I've heard it taught since I've been born again that the poor are not grounds for prosperity and that God will repay you dollar for dollar. I can tell you that's not true. And I tell you that through the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I've studied that word repay. And do you know that word is shalem, S-H-A, 
L-E-M. It's the root of shalom. Shalom means peace, prosperity, soundness, well-being in everything that concerns you. So when you give to ministries who work with the poor, what you're doing is helping to make their lives whole. You're coming in to huge gaps in their life that they have no power to address. They have no power to address. So we, as the body of Christ, come and stand in the gap, and the Lord says, I will repay you. I will shalem you. In other words, where you're not yet whole and where you have gaps in your life and where you're facing situations, you do not have the power to overcome that situation where you are. You have no means to address that situation in your life. Church, I'm just encouraging you. So we made this a prayer. Lord, how can we be more useful to you in 2020? And that word useful, it means doing good work. It means effective. So when I pray, Lord, how can we be more useful to you in ministry? Doing the good works of the kingdom means to meet the physical needs of others like food and housing, clothing, and so forth. And being involved with a ministry like mine means you're actually involved in good works that are in the uttermost parts of the earth. This is one way when, you know, the word says in Acts 1-8 that the anointing is given, first of all, for Jerusalem, your Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. One time, Pastor J.B. Whitfield came to visit from Agape Faith, where Sue and Pastor Murray and I are, are members. And I took him to Budalongi, Kenya. Everyone say Budalongi. Yeah. No, I know that's not a common word here, but it is a, a community close to Uganda in Kenya. And I'm telling you, it is a bone-jarring, teeth-rattling trip to get there of about 10 to 12 hours. It depends on if it's been raining or not. We finally arrived. We opened up the van door, and Pastor JB got out, and he hitched up his trousers, and he said, well, I've always wondered where the uttermost parts of the earth are, and now I've found it. And so uh, it's far from, but uh, we do good works in the hinterland, in the uttermost parts. And, you know, that's one way that God has designed to take our faith as far as as it can go, is that we partner with ministries that he has sent to the uttermost parts of the earth, and that takes you there as well. Let me just define vision for you. We're still in the early days of 2020. And you know, so much of our vision 
can stem around our own needs if we're not careful. That we have a vision for our needs to be met. We have a vision for that which is immediately around us. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God doesn't want us just with a short-sighted vision. He wants us to have a vision that takes us to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so I was meditating about vision uh, uh, a few months ago. And the Lord spoke this to me. I wrote it down verbatim. And he said, vision is a piece of heaven. See, that, that kind of takes it out of the realm of, I need the rent, I need food, I need clothes. In other words, our immediate needs. Church, if we're going to increase, we've got to take on thoughts that don't just involve ourselves. And God will begin to increase us. But vision is a piece of heaven, of God's original intent for us that he wants to restore. In other words, God has huge thoughts for each one of us, bigger than we know. So when he gives us vision, he's restoring to us that which is orig it originated in heaven, and he wants it restored in our lives. God, God's thoughts about you are big. God's thoughts about this church and this ministry are big. But it takes vision that does not just involve our personal immediate needs. But if we want to rise up and increase, God wants us to look way out there into arenas where he's chosen for us to plant our faith and sow our seeds of faith. And what, what is he going to do? He's going to cause what you give to come back to you in much bigger ways than you sowed your seeds of faith. Hallelujah. A vision from God is the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring us to God's original plan and purpose to bless us and make us a blessing. When we begin to ask God for his holy, heavenly vision, and we begin to receive one part and then another part, one piece and then another piece. What does that vision involve? It involves God's desire to bless us and make us a blessing. So I want to share how you are helping me with a godly vision and your help, your partnership goes all the way into the deep of Africa to change lives that uh, are being dramatically affected. Uh, what is one of the foundational scriptures of Living Faith International is James 1.27. Oh, this is so in my heart. Pure religion. This is the new living translation. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Do you know there are 153 million orphans in the world today? 
church that is several nations. These are children who have no idea where their next meal is coming. They're malnourished. Usually, the ones I work with, their growth is stunted through being malnourished. They have no vision of God, no understanding of God. They, they have no one to put them to bed at night. They don't have access to clean water. Education is not even a thought. And so all the gifts and talents that God has purposed for them stand to be wasted unless someone, not the world, not the UN, no, it's, it's not government agencies that can do this work, but if the church will take James 1.27 to heart and understand that this is part of every Christian's call, it's not just my call. It's the call of every Christian, every church. God has called us to have a heart and care for orphans and widows in their distress. And by partnering with me, you're helping to fulfill James 1.27 in our generation. Listen to Hosea 14.3. These are directions from the Lord concerning orphans. It says, now this is the Amplified Bible. Uh, let's go to the very last sentence. For in you, O Lord, the orphan finds love and compassion and mercy. See, the orphan doesn't find love and compassion and mercy in the world. As far as the world of darkness is concerned, they prey, P-R-E-Y, on orphans and vulnerable children. Drug traffickers look for orphans. So many in the criminal world and, and uh, underground criminal organizations that you may never have heard of, all types of criminal activity, they are orphans who are in those organizations that have been sought out by the, the leaders of these criminal gangs because there's no one to protect them from the world of darkness. Uh, sex traffickers, oh my goodness, that has exploded throughout the world, is, is uh, kidnapping orphan children. I, I've got several in my orphanage in Nairobi that... Either they managed to run away or the police rescued them or however they came to me. Oh, my goodness, the world of darkness seeks for and preys on orphans and vulnerable children. But the Bible says in Hosea 14.3 that it's in the Lord that they find mercy and love and compassion. And then Psalm 82 and verses 3 through 4 in the Passion Translation, we are given very clear instruction. It is defend the defenseless. Now this, who's going to defend them? Not the world. This is written to the believer. Defend the defenseless, the fatherless, and the forgotten, the disenfranchised, and the destitute. Your duty 
is to deliver the poor and the powerless. Liberate them from the grasp of the wicked. And so this is a call upon the life of every Christian. And I told you there are 153 million orphans in the world. But do you know there are 2.4 billion who claim to be Christians? So there are a whole bunch more of us than there are of them. Then what's the issue? Why, why are the orphans of the world in the desperate condition they're in? It's because the body of Christ has not allowed the will of God concerning this. Or they've not heard that it is the will of God for every believer to defend and deliver orphaned children. Hallelujah. I want to share with you, first of all, let me show you a video that um, grasps. I, I have two major outreaches to orphans and vulnerable children. One of them is our home orphanage. They have children from throughout Kenya coming from all kinds of desperate circumstances in my Nairobi orphanage. I have over 50 children there. Every bed is taken. We, you can imagine it's a big house that I lease there. 50 children. How, how many did you raise? Two, three? How, did any, has anyone raised five children? Okay, we've got five back there. Yay. All right, let's see six children. Okay, back there. All right. But multiply that times 10. And oh my goodness, we've got children everywhere. And then I am building. It is not completed yet, although we've started functioning. I am building Heritage Leadership Academy. And it, it is emphasizing. Uh, we send a bus into a nearby slum. And there are children from other slums as well. And we bring out orphan children who have no hope of education. And they come malnourished, stunted growth. Oh, my goodness, the things we've encountered. But we bring them into that school and we watch the anointing of God transform their lives. So I have two major outreaches to orphans. And this is about the school that we're currently building. James 1.27 says, True religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, that you visit widows and orphans and keep oneself unspotted from the world. That word visit doesn't just mean drop in and have a small chat. The word visit means to set a table before them, that these children are precious to the Lord, and He asks His body to fulfill James 1.27 by stepping in and providing for them. In the garage, I began Heritage Leadership Academy with four basic tenets. Number one is that those who attend Heritage Leadership Academy would know God. 
Number two, we would present them with an excellent curriculum. Number three, we would teach age-appropriate leadership principles. And number four, we would teach age-appropriate financial principles. And so just as a seed, we opened it in the garage of our home in 2016. But through the faithful partnership of Orphan's Promise and other partners, we have built four classrooms of Heritage Leadership Academy. Every class has two teachers. We have the lead teacher and an aid teacher. This has really helped to be able to minister to the children fully and ensuring that whatever need the child has is being met. So with this, we've been able to give them hope by providing them with, especially in Kenya, the Montessori curriculum is one of the most expensive curriculum we have available, yet very rich. So we are taking these children, giving them that which they would never have received. Currently, we have 47 students in the school. By the time they graduate preschool and primary school, that they will have a solid Christian faith in their heart and be academically advanced. We received children who come in broken, who come in in need of love. They actually, some of them do not even know how to hug. And then seeing them respond to the love we are giving them, that really is such a fulfillment to me. And oh, what an adventure we've had. Because every day we send buses into uh, a nearby slum and we bring out orphan children that are primarily being raised by their elderly, very poor grandmothers who can barely feed them. The children come from brokenness. So they come from a slum where there is high incidence of drug addiction, alcoholism, prostitution, abuse of every form. But today, you would not dream these are the same children. My hope is to see their destinies that the Lord has for them being fulfilled. Some children want to be doctors. Our hope is that that desire in them is fulfilled. And then also seeing the children change to the point that they are able to go back to their families and be a, a blessing that transforms their own homes and the communities around them. Hallelujah. So what you see there, that school is operating but still being built. And I started it in the garage of the orphanage and then I got some classrooms built. So in January of 2019, we moved to the church property where the school is being built. And we took our first buses into the slums to bring orphan children in. I'll tell you, it was a shock. They might not have known very many 
words. They were poor communicators, except they could cuss really well in their mother tongues, and they could fight. I mean, they spent their time fighting. So the first few weeks, it was uh, very challenging to get them under control and, and begin to... Here's what happened, is the authority that God gives you in the anointing begins to exert itself, and it begins to put down darkness so that the children can hear and begin to learn. So it wasn't but just a few weeks that we began to see a dramatic difference in them. And children who were totally uh, every kind of chaos. In fact, I could say there was not one thing in their life that was not chaotic. They were malnourished. Their growth was stunted. They had no idea of obedience or order. Being raised by destitute grandmothers, uh, parents often dead from AIDS, or maybe they were not born of a marriage, and uh, so there was never a father in the picture, and the mother has died of AIDS or just run away and abandoned the family. All kinds of circumstances. But here is January of 2019. Look at the little boy at the front where the arrow is pointed. And then on the back row, there's a little girl where another red arrow. Can you see? Kevin in the front is six years old at that time. But can you see he looks like three at the most, three years old. This is what being malnourished will do to you. It stunts your growth. This is Kevin today at seven years old after a year in the school. Can you tell he's grown? We have a feeding program that addresses their nutritional needs and look at that smile on his face. I'll tell you, when Kevin came, he, he was an absolute mess. He was born to a mother who already had four children. Her husband abandoned her, and she became pregnant by another man who infected her with AIDS. So she became very ill, and she rejected Kevin when he was born. Thank God he does not have AIDS. He was not infected. And so, uh, but she rejected him. So when we got Kevin, Kevin was like a stump. He couldn't talk. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't go to the bathroom. He, he was just there. And we had to do everything for him. But we found out Kevin's, Kevin's intelligent enough. He just needed someone to pay attention to him and introduce him to God and introduce him to learning. There he is with our lead teacher, and he's just making wonderful progress. But that's Kevin with his mother. Can you tell the difference in their countenance that she is, um, you know, a deeply troubled woman, but she is very joyful to see the good things that are happening with Kevin. If the mother goes on, if she leaves this life, we will receive Kevin into the orphanage. And this is Margaret, who is one of five children born to a mentally insane woman. And 
when Margaret was six months old, her mother took her to the river to dispose of her. But people saw what she was doing and rescued her from her mother. Her mother, no one knows if she's alive or dead. She's been gone a long time. And the grandmother took Margaret. And when Margaret came to our home, she was angry. She knew nothing of obedience or respect. Her mouth was terrible. She fought with the other kids constantly. She had no idea about obedience to teachers or obedience of any kind. But Margaret today, this is Margaret with her grandmother. I just want you to see Margaret's face today, the contrast of what the anointing does. Y'all, it's not just feeding the kids. It's not just putting them in school. It is only the anointing of God that can deal with these yokes of bondage that are passed down from one generation to the next unless the Spirit of God is given the opportunity to intervene. And this is our bus with the little fellas, and a partner bought us this bus. And so when it pulls in to the slum to pick up the children every day, you know, it's such a status symbol. They now actually have a status symbol in their life. And it is the fact that they have a school uniform and they get on a bus that looks like that. Oh, wow. And this is Norma Morris, a woman who came at the end of 2019 to evaluate our school. We use the Christian Montessori method, which I could talk all day long about. And uh, she has worked in that field for 44 years. And she came and spent several days with us and evaluated the work that we're doing in education. And she's, she was just in tears. She said, Carla, it takes years for anyone to get a school under control like you've done in one year. And y'all, I'll just tell you what it is. It's just the anointing. It's just the anointing that, as I said, has subdued the darkness so that the children can. God created all of us to be learners. God created us to increase every year of our life. And they, uh, she has asked us to be a training school. And so we're looking at that. God's hand is really on this school. And many children are going to be blessed and affected by it. And do you, now let me talk a little bit about our home. See the boy with the circle around his head on the right. This is years ago in Budalongi. In fact, that's Susan Whitfield on the left. And uh, we had sticks and stones and mud and iron sheets for roofs. A very primitive beginning. But Peter Omala was the son of a polygamous man. He had many wives. Peter was one of 15 children. And he was being trained to be a fisherman on Lake Victoria. No hope of an education. His father died. Peter's lost in this 
glob of 15 children. And he ran away, really, and came to our orphanage there and said, will you let me come and will you educate me? I want an education. And so we took Peter in when he was a young man. This was December of 2019. Peter has graduated from university, and he is now a certified teacher to teach math and physics instead of a fisherman on Lake Victoria. I mean, he is such a wonderful man of God. Do you see the girl with the red circle? That's Budalongi years ago where my husband and I started. And notice her name is Joyce So do you look at that attitude on her. Yeah. And so uh, Joyce and I had more than one conversation as, as we've raised her about her attitude. Yes, we did. But she took it. This is Joyce today. She graduated in December with a degree in nursing. So she is now a registered nurse. Working with orphans for me is a long-term commitment because the Lord told us in 2004, don't just keep them alive, give them a life. And what did that mean? That meant raise them as sons and daughters. Do for them what any father and mother would do for their children. And so we've raised Joyce. She's truly a daughter of the house and a lovely Christian who has now been launched into a career of nursing. Y'all, that took partnership for us to take her all the way through school and then through four years of nursing school. And this is also Budalongi. And... Uh, the girl in green is Mercy Akinyi. She came to us at 11 years of age, illiterate. But what a great joy it has been to raise Mercy. And she had, the kids are greeting her because she's been away at school. You can see her suitcase, and she's come home for leave. And this is Mercy in December of 2019, and she graduated from university with a degree in biology, and she's already started her master's degree. Hallelujah. Instead of being illiterate all of her life, mercy, it just has a great, that is one of the finest Christians I've ever known. What a joy. What a blessing that girl is. And this was a graduation party at our home that we had for Mercy and Peter. And these are some of the kids who all, every one of those kids have stories of brokenness. When they came to us, they did not even know how to smile. You know, sometimes we'll take a picture and we'll say, smile, and the young ones just twist their faces up, you know, when we haven't had them very long, because they've never smiled about anything. They come, they don't know how to hug. They've never been hugged, and they don't know how to hug. They don't know how to laugh. They've, they've never had fun, but would you look at what the Lord has done? And there's mercy, and Peter are kind of in the middle 
And these are four of the younger children at our home. The little, oh, what precious kids. Every one of them have a story of brokenness. But I think you can look at them and, and tell they're well cared for, they feel safe, and they're happy kids. The girl in the middle, Sarah, has her mother infected her with AIDS. She was born with the HIV virus. And when we got her, she was very ill, sick all the time. But we have gotten her consistent medical treatment, and we pray for that virus to leave her body. And would you look at Sarah, how healthy she looks now in the pink dress. And Sarah is brilliant. I'm not even going to say smart. That girl is brilliant. Such a joy to have her and all the others in our home. And these are some of the boys. Pastor Murray has seen them when they were little squirts. And, uh, oh, every one of them have a story. I got every one of them when they were about like this. And But, you know, it takes a lot to raise a child. And you can see they're growing up so nicely. The second one from the left is one of our church drummers. And so we're always so proud when Richard goes to the drums. Hallelujah. And these are some of the girls. Pastor Murray, you've seen some of them when they were small, but you can tell they're happy, they're healthy, they love each other. One parent asked me uh, just a few years ago, Carla, do your kids ever just get in the floor and just have a knockdown, drag out fight? I looked at her. She, she's raising two grandsons. I felt for her, but I had to tell her the truth. I said, no, no, they don't. I teach the kids that strife is a sin. And I've taught and trained them, if you do disagree, uh, settle it quickly. Because it's the devil bringing you into strife. So after she asked me that question, about, uh, probably several months later, I, I was talking to one of the boys, and I said, Richard, do you all ever fight? Because I'm not there 24-7. Do you all ever have fights? He looked at me. He said, no, Mom, we don't fight. If we do disagree, we settle it quickly. I'm telling you, it is a joy to raise these kids. They are. I put them up against any kids. To me, they're the best kids in the world. And that Sarah and on the right and Fiona on the left, they're two of eight children. Their mother died of AIDS. Their father is very ill with AIDS. There were eight children. The police came and got them when the mother tried to commit suicide. Anyway, I got four of the children, and they are just a joy. These are our two most recent children. I prayed in October. Lord, you've never told me anything about unreached people groups. Do you have anything for me to do with unreached people? I want to obey you. And just a few weeks later, I'm called and asked to take two Turkana girls. The Turkana tribe is 
is unreached. And they were abandoned at the side of the road in very vulnerable conditions. They were very desperate. And I was asked to take them, so I did. And uh, they're a new adventure starting with them. They're, they've been through a lot. And we don't see big smiles today. But I'm sure in the future I'll update you about what the Lord is doing with them. And another outreach we have that's affect it also affects orphans and vulnerable children in the public school is that in our church, we evangelize high school students. Kenya is the only nation that has a government-sponsored program to evangelize in high schools. In fact, Agape Faith Church has gone to us to numerous high schools to preach. And isn't that amazing? Last year, just on a volunteer basis, 4,235 high school students were born again through our church's outreach to high schools. And so I just included some pictures of our church members, okay? These are meetings they're holding, preaching the gospel, getting high schoolers born again and filled with the Spirit and healed. Here they are. Some of the meetings are even held outside. But it's so important that we take the Word of God to because once you leave high school, 82% of people are never born again. They go into a Christless eternity. You know, your heart gets hard. You think you don't want to hear the gospel. But it's why it's so good for children to be born again is because their hearts are tender enough that they know God is real. And this is my last picture of, of all of us. These are a number of the orphans that I do work with. And how precious. You can tell the ones on the front are the ones I've only had a year, getting them all to look forward at the camera and smile at the same time is a great challenge, but they're still adorable. Even the top of their head is adorable. Pastor Scott, thank you so much for letting me share the progress we're making. Church, I want to thank you for your partnership. And may I pray for you before Pastor comes up. Even whatever amount of seed that you sow personally and this church sows, I want you to know God knows about it and he wants to bless it, multiply it, and increase. Could you just lift up your hands where you're seated right now? And Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for Pastor Scott and for Trish and for this church congregation. I bless this church in the name of Jesus. And Father, for the sake of their partnership, I am asking for breakthroughs in this church. I'm not just praying uh, a small prayer for them. Father, I am praying and agreeing with heaven for breakthroughs in this church, in this ministry, that you will pour out your spirit. And that everything this ministry is touching 
will be blessed, prospered, and increased in the name of Jesus. Father, they are helping me take the gospel to the poor. So I stand in the place of any gap that they are experiencing. And I proclaim the blessing. Father, you never forget covenant. And a covenant of partnership is so significant. I am mindful of their giving. And I ask you to bless and multiply every seed that they are sowing. Bless and multiply the fruit of this church in the name of Jesus. I offer you thanksgiving for this ministry in the name of Jesus. Amen. And by the way, girls and guys loved the worship. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. Such a blessing. Pastor. We hope you enjoyed today's message. It takes vision. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.